Welcome to Build Your Tribe with your host, Shalene Johnson. Michael, I have to say that one thing that's really interesting for me and for my listeners is that I, and I think probably a lot of other people who build a business, have this belief, especially in the last five or 10 years, brands need to attach to it an identity, you know, to a person. And you were one of my very first guests ever on my podcast, and I've been a longtime listener and fan of yours. I was a fan of Social Media Examiner before I even knew who you were. And that's why I had to bring you on the show, because I love introducing experts, guests, to my listeners who are doing things outside of the box, not according to the way everyone says it's supposed to be done. And what you've done at Social Media Examiner is the perfect example of that. So my question in that buildup is this. How did you know it was going to work if it wasn't attached, if the brand didn't begin, at least initially, by attaching itself to an individual? Well, first, it's a pleasure to be back on your show. You are a superstar when it comes to podcasting. I just want to let you know, you have a gift when it comes to uh, asking questions, and it's just amazing to, uh, to listen. So kudos to you. Thank you. How did I know? So here's the deal. I once was known in a different industry that comes, as you know, with some baggage, Shalene, right? Mm -hmm. So when the brand is all built around you as the person or the celebrity of the brand, it does make it difficult to scale the business. And it also does make it hard for you because everybody wants a piece of you. And you know that to be true. Am I right? No, for sure. But it works, right? Especially if you have the right kind of personality and the right kind of energy and people like what you're saying. The flip side of it is, is it possible, like you said, to create something that doesn't have a personality behind it that just kind of has a life of its own? And I think it is, but is the key word here. But you have to create a movement. And that's what I did with Social Media Examiner. Mm. I created something that was almost like a cause that people wanted to rally around because when I started Social Media Examiner in October of 09, you got to understand this is before Snapchat, before Pinterest, before Instagram. Yeah. This is really when it was Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and that was just about it. So back then, there was also, we were coming off a really bad economy. You remember the crash in 2008, right? Yeah. So everybody in the world of marketing was trying to figure out a way to create exposure for their business without having to spend money. And da-da-da, along comes social media. So what I noticed at the time was that the world of social at that time was made up of lots of people that were individual bloggers and maybe a couple of podcasters, but really not very many podcasters, mostly bloggers, that were all writing about what they thought and their opinions. Hmm. And what I had learned from my previous business is that people don't care about what other people think necessarily unless they are celebrities. And most of these people were not known to this world. What people care about is improving themselves or what they care about is discovering something that will allow them to get where they want to go. So Mm -hmm. back to what I said about businesses. Businesses were struggling to figure out how to grow and how to get exposure when they didn't have any money because the economy crashed. So social media to the rescue. So I created this thing called Social Media Examiner as a movement, totally free, no advertising, nothing for sale. And I took all my experience in the world of writing. And what I did was I just said, hey, come here to learn for free what you want to learn. And it just exploded. Wow. 
that's the fundamental, I believe, success piece for all businesses is to figure out like you're most passionate about it when it's a problem you're experiencing as well. So if I can, is it appropriate to say then that you saw the problem as there wasn't a single place to go to figure out what is working and what's not working? Correct. And there's two ways to do this, right? There's the Gary Vaynerchuk style, right? Which Gary was kind of doing back then. What's that style? The Gary Vaynerchuk style is to make videos and kind of make noise and draw the world to you, right? So mm-hmm. Gary V started with Wine Library TV and it was something that stood out and then he, he had success and then he started talking about social media. That's another way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go either route. But the difference is with what I did is I'm not Gary Vaynerchuk. I didn't have some sort of bridge that I could bridge. I couldn't say I started a video show on the internet, right? And I couldn't use that. So instead, I had to build something different. So what I did was I, I just brought together all the masses. Mm, and I, okay. yes, I saw the problem. Mm. Because here's the thing. If you want to start a business, not let's be honest, Shalene, not everybody is Shalene Johnson. Thank goodness. <laughs> many want to be, but many could never do. Many <laughs> could never do that. what you do, Shalene. And you know your story. It wasn't until you got behind the camera yeah. by accident that everything exploded, right? So that's the point is that not everybody has that kind of craft or skill that's innate inside of them. But if you are more a strategy person like I am, and you can create something that's a win-win for everybody. And that was my goal. I wanted it to be a win for the writers. I want it to be a win for the readers. So no matter what you were doing, you were part of it. And that is why it exploded. There's another piece to it, why we exploded. Because I have a design background and because I was a writer, I've always been of the belief that if you want to get to the brain, you got to go through the eyes. Mm. And I wanted to not just write great content, but to make it look visually appealing. And back then, my website was very unique, stood out visually. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, There was no mm -hmm. other website that looked as visually cool as my website. Mm -hmm. And still today, I have a very unique looking website. So when someone came to the site for the first time, they would say, I don't know who these guys are, but they must have been around forever. (laughs) And I had people tell me like three months into my venture, I've been following you for years. And I knew that wasn't true. (laughs) (laughs) But it just appeared as if it must always exist because there's no way something could just appear out of the ether that looks like this. You may have just answered at least partially my question, which is you're saying I knew there was a need and I knew I wanted to draw in the masses and give them a place, a resource, a place they could trust. How did you attract experts and these amazing thought leaders? And how did you find them? And how did you then get them to say, hey, yeah, look, I know there's been nothing like this in this space, but nonetheless, I'd like for you to write for me. I would like for you to be a contributor or an advisor. Relational capital. Mm. I spent an entire year before Social Media Examiner building relationships. So this is the power of what I'm going to call a bridge story, okay? Okay. So no matter where you are, anyone who's listening right now, you have relationships that you've already put in place. And if you think you want to pivot or you want to leap to something new, leverage the relationships that you have in your job or in your career or in your business that you're doing right now to get you where you want to go. So let me give you an example. Please. I was known as the king of white papers. I wrote a book called Writing White Papers. I had an email newsletter back then that went to 20,000 readers. And we would do an email what people now do in blogs. So we would interview people and we would write biographies and interviews of them in email. We would have contributing writers write articles that would go into the newsletter, the e-zine, if you will. So what I did was my editorial started shifting to social media a year before I started Social Media Examiner, mostly because there was demand for it. Mm-hmm. 
So I started talking to and interviewing people for my other business that were figuring out social and how to use social for white papers. And along the way, I began to see that the interest in that content was off the roof. So that's when I started slowly but surely developing the relationships and looking at the people that within my network and asking them questions and then ultimately asking them, who are the people that I ought to get to know? One of the people was a gal named Denise Wakeman. And Denise Wakeman said, you got to go to this event. There's this gal named Mari Smith and she's emerging. I'm in a mastermind with her and she's going to be big. So I purposely bought a ticket and went to this event and stayed in the hall and waited for like a half an hour until she was available to get to know her, knowing that that was going to be important for the long-term future, not knowing exactly that I was going to start Social Media Examiner, but knowing that social was going to be a thing that I might want to experiment with. Mm. I know we hadn't planned to talk about this, but gosh, Michael, it's so important, that relational capital that you speak of, because I'm sure you have this happen too. I can tell when someone is like, literally trying to use me like capital. And it's not a legit relationship. And I am so like my radar's up when that happens, number one. And number two, I think people need to kind of know what's the right way to do that. And what's the wrong way to do that? You know, it's like, let me, I'll scratch your back. You'll scratch mine. Doesn't work for me. It's like, I'm going to scratch your back because I I know you've got an Let's talk about it. It's about giving gifts without asking for anything in return. I asked Mari if I could interview her on camera. And I just had a little, one of these little flip phone thingies, you know, I mean, not a flip mm-hmm. phone, a flip, flip camera, had a flip yeah. camera. And I just did a little interview with her and we just hit it off. You know, I didn't really know, like, here's the thing that I have always done. I've always been a guy that does interviews. Okay. For a long, long time. And I've always been about giving people exposure today. It's my podcast or it's my live show or it's my conference. But in the past it was other stuff. So the idea is I'm always looking for people and I'm always wanting to bring excellent people to my audience with the understanding that it's great for both of us. These experts, these people want something that I have to offer, which is exposure. And when they get a chance to experience me and realize I'm a genuine guy and I don't ask for really hardly anything ever, that's how you develop great relationships by just giving people what they truly want. And, you know, not everyone is going to say yes to you down the road when you ask them to do something more than just show up on your podcast. But it doesn't matter because what ends up mattering is they'll end up probably referring you to someone else and you'll end up generating this amazing content and you'll be planting seeds along the way. And then you've got this incredible relationship that it may not be for many years down the road that you decide to write a book. And it just so happens you interviewed a guy and you're writing a parenting book and you interviewed a guy and this guy's gone on to know people here. I mean, that's how it all works. Tell me how it's not done. (laughs) You mean how to do it wrong? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, I love your blog. Um, I specifically love how you wrote this post. Um, I think that you should also include my link to, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, of course. Every day. Or here's another one. Below is a press release, you know, and if you'd like to get the CEO of the company on your podcast, we would be happy to uh, connect you. Oh, geez. (laughs) That's the way it's not done. For me, sometimes it's the surprise person, the person who I've had maybe some kind of relationship with them or they've done something cool for me. I've done something cool for them. And then suddenly there's this weird, awkward, big, inappropriate, out of the blue ask. Mm -hmm. And almost sometimes they'll even reference something else that, you know, they did in their eyes was 
you know, something they did for me and therefore I owe them this. Have you had that happen before? That's a scary but accurate, unfortunate, you know, human beings. Look, have you ever received a gift like at Christmas and then you feel obligated to return a gift? I mean, it's how we work as humans, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Some people abuse that. Other people don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are some people that send me gifts like Michael Hyatt. I don't know why he does it, but I love it. <laughs> he's a good gift giver. I got to tell you, he's a good gift yeah, giver. Yeah. And I don't reciprocate it all the time. I just thank him privately about how cool it is that he does it, you know, but that's different. And you can tell because I think people can read people like, you know, when you meet someone who's genuine and you know, when you meet someone who's a snake oil salesman. Yeah. I think the reputation and the character has to go along with it. But we also need to acknowledge that it is true that relationship building does open doors and it's okay to ask. But when I ask of someone who is exceptionally high profile, I usually give them an out. I say, look, if this doesn't work, I totally understand. Oh, that's huge. That one sentence is everything. Because that's the way to do it, you know, because look, I get it. I know you're busy. And then you say why you think this might be beneficial for them not why this might be beneficial for me. Does that make sense? It does. And this way that you have of curating experts is remarkable. I mean, obviously, there's so many reasons why Social Media Examiner has an incredible reputation. It's unlike anything else. I mean, I will tell you, Michael, that behind your back, people say, holy cow, how does he do this? Like, no one else can do this. You put on these huge events. There are events that everybody wants to be at. There are events where people don't sell and where people want to be there and you get the best experts where anyone else, if they try to put on an event similar, number one, they would have to allow most of the experts to sell in order to even get them to the venue. And number two, they'd have to pay for flights and have to pay top dollar for speakers and they wouldn't be able to put on a venue of that size. And I will tell you that many people, I've heard them say, how does he do that? And the answer is? Well, you're talking about social media marketing world. And the answer is years of relationship building, right? Yep. It's about recruiting, not people. Yeah. I mean, I've had some of the highest profile speakers in our industry, and it's no secret I don't pay any of them. They want to be there. Okay. I didn't know if that was a secret, so I wasn't going to say it. But like, that's the piece of go that people say, how does he do that? It's because there's something in it for everyone, including the speaker, right? They want to be there. They want to be part of something. Look, let's be honest. There's always an exception to a rule when something is amazing, right? People want to be part of something that's exceptional. I don't know how else to say it. And they will be willing to come and they want to be part of that, partly because they want to be around all these people that they love and they respect and they know that there might not be another place where I could do that, partly because they want to experience it themselves because they've heard about it. It's that kind of stuff. And the only way to do something like this is to really have a very, very good reputation, which takes years to build, obviously. And a big piece of that is wanting to belong, right? To belong to a community. Myself, having spent many years in the fitness industry, servicing fitness instructors, there's an event, a very large event, probably almost you could compare it to the social media marketing world. It's very search optimized. Indeed, no <laughs> doubt. And it's an event that once I was no longer in that business and no longer in a business where I was serving fitness instructors and, and there was really no need for me to be at that event. I remember when the application came through my email for me to be at that event again the following year and I felt very torn thinking, I don't need to be there, but yet I want to be there because I always want to belong, you know? And I think that's a strong advantage for the event that you put on because 
when you're there, you realize, okay, we all kind of belong here. This is what I belong to. Yeah. I mean, Shalene, you put on events, you understand there's a reason why people come back. Like I always tell people the reason people come is because they want to learn. And the reason they come back is because of the experience and the relationships that they make. And everything, whether it's our event or our website, it's all about, you know, delivering a wow, you know, going over the top, exceeding expectations. And that's hard work. So tell me, how is it that you decide? How do you vet the experts that you kind of bring into the fold? Because you're giving them an incredible opportunity, whether they're on your podcast or featured on your blog or speaking at one of your events. That is, you're putting your stamp of approval on someone and you're basically saying, okay, I have a very trusted community and this is someone who I and putting my stamp of approval on. And that's a lot of pressure. How do you decide who you're going to do that with? Well, first of all, it's understanding who we're serving really intimately, who our audience is, right? We do a lot of research every year. We'd survey 5,000 people. We know exactly what they're interested in. So our audience tells us what they want to learn about. They tell us what their struggles are. So then what we do is we kind of lay that data out there as a roadmap and we say, okay, we believe that our audience is interested in these things. And then on top of that roadmap, we have a live show that we do every week where we talk about the breaking news going on in the world of social media. And we watch how our community reacts and interacts with the things we talk about on our live show. So like when something new comes out, like, you know, Instagram stories, which isn't totally new, we watch how they're interacting and engaging with that. And then what we do is we ask ourselves, okay, in our network of people, do we have anybody who's really focused on Instagram stories? If we don't, we'll go to our Instagram expert friends and we'll say, hey, you ought to specialize in Instagram stories because our research shows the world is interested in that. Now, you could say, well, you're doing that for self-serving purposes. Well, yeah, but I'm also helping that expert to know that if they specialize in Instagram stories, they're all of a sudden going to be even more interest in them outside of just our space. So what we do is in some cases, we actually develop experts and we help them develop areas of expertise so that they can serve our audience and ultimately grow their business. So in those cases, we actually build up the experts and help them become experts when they were not experts. I love that you've shared that because I think that's important. And the reason why I would assume you do this is probably very similar to the reason why when my husband and I owned a fitness company, we would oftentimes not take the best known expert to be a presenter for us, but we would take people who we really knew had the heart and cared and were genuine. And we would teach them how to deliver and to be an expert, to develop them, if you will, because I don't think you can develop a genuine nature. I don't think you can develop heart for someone, right? Like they either have it or they don't. They're either trustworthy or they're not. And is that, would you say that that's part of the reason why you will help develop people who are already in your fold? Well, We kind of have to for our business because social media is changing so rapidly that there aren't enough experts out there. So we have to build them. So it's almost like a big company moving to your town and they're going to, you know, over the next 10 years grow into software development. And they realize there's not enough kids coming out of high school that know software programming. So they sponsor a teacher and special courses to train up the next workers. You know, that's kind of how we look at things. But at the same time, so we know in order for our industry to grow, we have to develop the experts in many cases. So we actually have an entire program where we selectively, I selectively mentor and work with these people to help them become superstars in their space. And they have to have a certain kind of mentality. You're right. They have to be willing to serve. They have to not just be looking to ride the next gravy train. I'm looking for someone that really wants this. I'll give you a great example. Algorithms are coming. So I know that email conversion and optimizing email conversions is going to be very, very very important important. for the world, for marketers. 
I listened to this guy on a podcast. His name is Chris Daly. And I reached out to the guy that did the podcast. I asked for an introduction, had a conversation with him, had him on my podcast. And I told him afterwards, I said, look, the world of social media, they don't know anything about conversion rate optimization. I can help you become the dude in the world of social media that helps social media marketers figure out how to better optimize their email opt-in rates. I know it's something our industry needs. Are you interested? I've been working with him. I've been helping him develop his speaking. He just told me he gave a speech and he said it was the best ranked speech of the entire event that he was just at because I've been coaching and advising him and he'll be speaking at Social Media Marketing World. So that's the kind of stuff that we do. But what I saw in him was he had the energy, he had the drive, he had the desire, and he could communicate. Well, let me ask you a little further about an expert that you might develop. Would you say it's fair to say experts today need to be at least captivating and energized on camera. Can you develop or would you take the time to develop an expert who simply cannot go on camera? I think that the first most important thing is they must be excellent communicators. So I always say, are they good communicators? If they don't ramble, if they can clearly articulate themselves, that is the number one criteria. Now, whether they go on camera or whether they go on audio is irrelevant for me because if you can speak on a podcast, you can speak in front of a small crowd. Getting on camera is an ideal situation, but not everyone is capable of getting on camera. That's a different skill, you know, but they could speak in front of a crowd of 100 people. They may not be comfortable speaking in front of the camera. I don't require it, but I do think it's beneficial if they could do it, you know, and live video, of course, is the most difficult on camera experience there is. There's a lot of people that want to do that. Not everyone is able to do that. Yeah. And some people are much more comfortable, as you said, being on camera versus being in a live setting. And the reason why I ask that is there's many people who listen to my show who have this amazing idea for a business, but they don't want to be the expert. And they can communicate in writing, but they don't want to do a podcast and they don't want to be on camera. And for those individuals, I think they're going to be really inspired by your story because you happen to be a rare breed. You can go on camera, you can do a podcast, you can do all those things, but you didn't have to be. In fact, a lot of people don't know what you look like. You have to like really scour your website to find a picture or a little blurb about you. So I guess my point is, for those people who have this brilliant idea for a business and they don't want to be the front man, you give them hope that it's possible. What advice do you have for them in trying to find experts they can trust or that they can report on, or that they can help to develop? Well, first of all, the good news is you don't have to develop a beginner. You can also develop a pro. So I want you to keep that in mind. Some of the top pros in our industry I have helped develop because a lot of times the pros get tunnel vision, right? They don't see things. So even going to some of the top experts in the industry and giving them some really good feedback, maybe in a private video that you send them and helping them can also help you develop that relationship with that pro. And to your earlier point, there's three ways to get, you know, to grow an audience, the written way, the spoken way, and the spoken way, you know, with video. So if you're good at any one of those, you're going to succeed. Well, for the person who is thinking that they don't have the opportunity to build a brand or a business because they simply don't want to be in front of the camera, how is it you go about yeah. finding yeah. and looking for experts in whatever field you might be in? Well, I think you have to build kind of a little media company, if you will. And you have to think that I'm going to be like back in the olden days, you have to be like the Ed Sullivan. If you can bring people of value to an audience, then you are, like you said, a curator or a publisher. So I think one way that most people don't do this is you could think about starting a multi-author blog. So if you're really good strategically, you could bring together a bunch of people around a common mission like I did at Social Media Examiner. 
And you can say, hey, look, everybody, we're going to create something exciting. And all I'd like you to do is consider writing one blog post a month until it doesn't work for you anymore, which is exactly what I did with Social Media Examiner. And all of a sudden, when people that are quality because you've curated that relationship start to see that they're surrounded by other people that are of quality, that's when the magic stuff happens. And that's when all of a sudden people start supporting each other. Like in the early days, I had a bunch of really quality writers that I had built relationships with. I asked each of them to write once a month until it didn't work. We all agreed to promote each other's posts that were all on Social Media Examiner. And it just kind of popped and exploded. And it wasn't about me at all. That's amazing. I have to assume in the position that you're in, and regardless of the business that you're in, when you're mentoring others and sometimes giving them a platform or just pouring into them, investing in other people, there are those occasions because people are human where we find ourselves really disappointed. Sometimes the disappointment is in ourselves because we misjudged this person or you know we didn't see it and other people did. How do you personally not let that become a setback when you've mentored or poured into somebody and things just didn't go as you thought? Well, first of all, surprisingly, that's rarely happened for me. I think that part of it is because you do for a few what you wish you could do for many is a phrase I've heard many times. You don't do it for just anybody. Your time is your single most important asset because you just have the same amount of hours, 24. Can we get an applause and an amen? I mean, I really, can you say that again? I want people to hear that. And it starts with being selective about who we pour into, you know? And so, so say that again for us. Your time is your most important asset. We all have 24 hours. There's only so much you can give. So you have to be super careful. Like I don't walk around looking for people that I want to pour myself into. Instead, what ends up happening is I find someone who I just see that they're like a diamond in the rough. And I say to myself, you know what? I would like to help you. And sometimes it's just a matter of one conversation with them that can change their life. And, you know, I purposely keep my schedule a little open for these kind of things. There's never really any kind of understanding that I'm going to be helping them forever. And the idea is I've got lots of people that call me a mentor, even though I've just poured into them a couple times here and then. But it's very rare and it's very selective. And that's the key because you know, Shalene, when you meet someone, when they're headed on the right path, their heart is in the right spot, their brain is in the right spot, they're motivated. And there's a synergy between us, meaning, you know, myself and that person or you and that person. That's when you kind of know, well, let me just talk to them and see what's going on with their life. And then when you ask them a couple of questions like, hey, are you where you want to be? What are your struggles? What's stopping you from going where you want to go? By asking those questions, it doesn't imply anything, right? But just having those kinds of conversations can allow you in your own way to see whether this person is someone who you might want to pour yourself into. And having said that, have you had an experience where you've seen that sparkle, that thing where you're like, oh, this is that person who I could pour into and they've got so much incredible potential, but they're not ready to receive your help? Yes. And you need to be okay with that. And I've also had people that were on fire and started and then fell off the wagon, if you will. And I would send them a couple of just little text messages or whatever, but I'd be okay with the fact that maybe this is just not the time for that, you know? Oh, wow. This is so good. My husband and I, for two years, did a private mentorship where it was a formal application. It was $20,000. We had a waiting list a mile long, even our third year. But at the end of our second year, I said, I don't want to do this again. I love mentoring people, but there's something about like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. And my, you know, business advisors were like, this is crazy for you to just walk away from it. 
It doesn't feel right. I like mentoring people, but there's something about this that just doesn't feel right. And I'm going to mentor people in the coming year, but it's not going to be through formal application. It's going to be through divine intervention. That's exactly how I do it. I love it. And it has been such a rewarding experience and also kind of freeing because, you know, you're right. When I know someone's made that kind of investment with me and then life gets in the way for them and they have to take three months off, I carry that guilt, you know? And when it's divine intervention and I'm just doing it because I love this person, I see something special in them and I believe God intended for me to pour into them, it's okay when they have to take three months off. There's, you know, they can step back in when they're ready. And I just have to say, for me, that's the right way to do it. It just feels so much better. Totally agree. That's how I do it, frankly. You know, nobody pays me for the mentoring that I do. I just do it because it's a gift. It's a gift that I give to a select few. But I also, you know, know that that pays forward because I see these people do it for other people as well. And it's just kind of how I'm wired and I love it. And it's so rewarding. Michael, do you have someone who you consider a mentor in business or in your faith or family or fitness? Like, do you have mentors? No, and I never have. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Come on. I'm not kidding. For real? For real. Never. Never. There's no one who you look to and go, wow, the way they parent is inspirational. No, I mean, I've looked up to people and I've been inspired by people, but I've never had a mentor who's actually worked with me. Does that make sense? So then what you have is what I like to call a mentor from afar where you're studying them. Correct. Like I've had people tell me you're my virtual mentor by listening to my podcast. I've had that, but I've never had like that one-on-one person who's just reached out and said, hey, I want to work with you. I want to develop you. But that's fine because not everybody needs that. I'm kind of a unique Lone Ranger kind of dude who just carves my own trails. You know, I don't wait around for someone to tell me. But is has there been people that you look to and you've kind of studied them from afar? Oh, yeah, of course. There's been endless people like that, you know, I mean, countless. I am a student of people. So I'm always watching all sorts of people and I'm just looking at how they do what they do. And I'm saying, is there any of that that I could try that fits for me? And then I try it. And anybody can do that, frankly. I think that's important because I will often hear people say, I'm waiting for that divine intervention or for that person to show up and mentor me. And look at how successful you are, not because someone's knocked on your door and said, hey, you know, I want to do this for you, but because you've made yourself a student of excellence. You've made yourself an observer of greatness. And that's what mentorship is about. It isn't always, you know, an application or somebody knocking on your door saying, hey, I want to take you under my wing. It's just paying attention to the people who are doing it, whatever it is, the way you'd like to do it. Yeah, you got to be a little scout, a little adventurer. You know, you want to, sometimes it's good to go off on a random trail and see where it leads. And that's how I think we grow. And I love doing that. And I think by my very nature, I'm always looking and always seeking. And as a result of that, I discover all sorts of stuff. And that way, the world is kind of my mentor. Well, let me ask your opinion. You are the thought leader when it comes to the world of social media. We see so many things changing quickly. And obviously, video is a big piece of that. Me, with an experience with infomercials and being on TV, I have my own opinions of what's going to happen. How do you think the Fortune 500 companies, the people who are currently advertising on TV, once they figure out how to use social media, how do you think that'll change things for the mom and pops? Well, I don't think so. I mean, let's be honest. Social media is actually the early adopters in social media have always been the small businesses, always. The opportunities are out there for the mom and pops because there's so much new stuff coming out. And big businesses, they have 
legal departments and they have red tape and they have multiple decision-making people that have to make decisions. It's the small businesses that are nimble and can crush it. You know, that's why so many small businesses are able to do things for next to nothing because they're out there. They're early adopters. They're experimenting with stuff. Social media is still the great equalizer, just like the internet is. And you don't need to be a big business to do it way better than every other big business can. And no, I mean, I'm with you. I've been a little concerned that what happens if live video looks like television, is that going to mean no one's going to watch the everyday show that people like you and me do on live video? No, I don't think so at all. Because I think if social is anything, it's informal. It's real. And if television is anything, it's not real. And it's formal. And it's scripted. And it's makeup. It's everything that social media is not. And that's why I think that grabbing your, you know, in your jammies, you know, from your computer or whatever going live is completely acceptable and always will be. But that would never work for television. Well, that's exciting. It gives a lot of people a lot of hope. I am with you. I believe that is true. I think that the people who have the courage to be real, and I like to call it vulnerable with a purpose, meaning you're serving others with your vulnerability. You're not being vulnerable so that people, you know, feel like they have to take care of you, but you're saying, here's what's possible. I think those are the people who will win and will continue to dominate and will always have the attention and the trust of people who are holding a digital device in their hand. Having said that, I want to bring this back to that original thought that I had when I wanted to ask you to be a guest on the show. And always, for me, that temptation to want to, now that your business and your brand is obviously so successful... Is there that temptation for you to put yourself as the head of it and to you know, include more pieces about you? And how do you balance that? Well, I do know that my audience, especially my podcast listeners and my live show watchers are very interested in hearing from me. Yeah. And I look to Dave Ramsey, believe it or not. I don't know if you know who he is. I look to what he has done. And I think to myself, there's a model I can follow. So there's a guy that is a radio host, right? And is one of the top nationally syndicated radio show hosts in America on finances. And he built this incredible company with him at the head of it. And I think that I could learn a lot from him. And I look at what he's doing and I say to myself, I don't have a problem kind of being the analyst in my industry and talking about the news on my live show and on my podcast. I actually rather like it. I think that's quite scalable because there's no limit to the amount of people that can listen to those and watch those shows. And I'm building behind me, you know, kind of my company to allow us to be able to grow so that I can focus on what I truly love. But in the end of the day, if I am not around for some reason, my brand can continue without me. Someone else can do my podcast. Someone else can do my live show. But in the end, I am somewhat independent of the two. But together we dance. Yes, that's great. Reminds me of the fact that on a regular basis, I'm tuning into a Zig Ziglar podcast. And as we both know, Zig Ziglar passed away many years ago, but his legacy and the people who are part of his organization are still producing content that's in alignment with his message. But I'm going to challenge you on that because when you say Dave Ramsey, I immediately think of what Dave Ramsey looks like. And the trust that I have for him and having listened to his radio show for so many years, you know, and then later podcast, you know, that trust transfers to anyone who's under his umbrella. But it starts with him, like a picture, an image, a person. It makes it easier for me to trust whoever it is I'm hearing on his show because of Dave Ramsey. And I guess what I would challenge you on is, you know, social media examiner isn't a person or should it be? Would you, would you have more trust? Let's talk about Apple and Steve Jobs, okay? Okay, okay. 
There's an example. There you go. Yep. You the got brand, me. <laughs> everybody loves the product and they love the man. Okay. You can be both. You can Touché. be both. Touche. Touche. That's good. Okay. All right. Because, I'm you know, remember, I mean, the bottom line is people can love your product and they can also love or hate the guy behind it. But, you know, yeah. I built the brand and then I came out from behind the curtain as the Wizard of Oz. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. I love that idea, actually, as I'm thinking about it, because there's been times where I've even gone to register for a Dave Ramsey event and you read through the fine print to find out, is it going to be him? Because like you said, at an Apple store, I'm not expecting to meet the CEO or the creator. That's true. It's a brand that speaks the trust and represents the community. Sometimes that's a little safer. Than- yeah, Virgin and Richard Branson would be another example. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that company. Well, those are really great examples. And I knew that you would open up my eyes. I love these conversations that we have. You have been tremendously helpful to me. I remember the first time I think you interviewed. Yes, you interviewed me for your podcast. And I was just about to launch mine. And just before we started the show, you said, Shalene, can I give you some quick advice? And I'm like, yes, I grabbed my pad of paper and just started writing feverishly. I had just prior to that spent about $600 to do a consultation with an expert on how to start a podcast. And probably 15 minutes that you spent with me before my interview on your show, you gave me just a wealth of inside information that really helped me in launching my podcast. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I don't even remember doing that. (laughs) Well, that just goes to show that's how you are. And I appreciate that. Thank you. And hopefully you don't mean I'm just can't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're all heading that age, aren't we? Dang. Can I ask you to share with the audience where you would like to invite them to check you out? Yes. First, if you have room in your listening schedule to add another podcast, you can find me. It's called Social Media Marketing. And also socialmediaexaminer.com is a plethora of free resources where you can find our live show, tons of articles, the podcast, everything is free. And if you want to come to Social Media Marketing World, you can also find a lot of great information there. That event is in March of 2017. An amazing event, by the way, an amazing location. All walks of life. I think that is an event that if you're going to pick one to go to, that's a pretty fun one to go to. And I'm saying that and I have my own events. Go to both. (laughs) (laughs) Michael, thank you so much. It's been a treat to have you today. Thank you, Shalene. You are amazing. Yay. That was awesome. So fun. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it. All of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, All you have to do is, while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337, and that is for U.S. residents. Then just send me the word confidence, and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. Every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address, and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video. 
Simple, where I teach you step-by-step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you want to be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips.